This episode of Pick Up the Six podcast is brought to you by Everyman Jack. If you haven't heard of them, they're a men's grooming company that creates some of the highest performing, best smelling products on the market. They believe it's not just about what you put in your body that matters, but what you put on your body from their body wash to deodorant to beard oil and more. They're made with naturally derived ingredients and incredibly outdoorsy scents that bring the best of nature to their bottles and bars. I'm a huge fan of all their stuff. The sandalwood scent, probably my favorite of all the things they have. And it's literally in my shower right now. So here's what you do. Head to everymanjack.com today and use our special promo code PUT6, PUT and the number six for 25% off on orders of 50 bucks or more, making small changes to your routine, even in the shower, can have a significant impact. And Everyman Jack makes that easy. Everyman Jack, naturally derived, outdoor inspired. We're also sponsored by Amino Vitals. Amino Vitals' mission is to provide the highest quality of amino acid-based nutritional products to all athletes aspiring to improve their conditioning and performance. The BCAAs, Glutamine and arginine help replenish the body's muscle proteins and jumpstart the recovery process. I've been using Amino Vital since last fall, got introduced to them, and I see a positive impact from their action and recovery products. It helps me just get rid of some of those, you know, aches and pains that come with a tough workout. Hit up amino-vital.com, use the code PUT6 at checkout and save 20% or just click on their link on the show page and save today. Do you ever strike up a conversation with someone and less than five minutes in, you're like, thank you, God, for intervening and bringing us together? That's exactly how I felt after about two minutes of recording this podcast with today's guest, Colonel Nick Nichols, an Air Force veteran and F-16 pilot who continues his service with Folds of Honor. Let's meet Colonel Nichols and hear more about the mission of Folds of Honor to support military and first responder families. This is Pick Up the Six Podcast. Hey guys, Brian Jodis back once again for another episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. An additional shout out to our sponsors. Thanks so much for keeping some wind in the sails of this pirate ship here. Uh, no joke, had every man Jack in the shower this morning, the product of course, just got a brand new shipment from those guys. And so legit, like spend over 50 bucks at everymanjack.com. You need to stay clean. You need to get some good naturally derived shampoo and ingredients and all that stuff. You spend over 50 bucks. Use that code, pick up the six, P-U-T-6. You save 25% off a great product. They're awesome. Got amino vitals in the water bottle for after the gym today. So we'll get some BCAAs in. So legit, not just telling you guys to use this stuff. I'm using it every day and we're grateful for them and their partnership. And also just grateful for you being a part of this pick up the six mission here. We're here to create purpose-driven stories. We do that through our production company with the projects that we team up with, with our clients and partners. And then we do that through the podcast here. And so we're just thrilled to share stories and introduce you to great people like Colonel Nick Nichols from Folds of Honor, who joins us today. So Nick, just grateful to have you, man. Happy Friday as we record. We'll release this show next week, but man, just thrilled to have you on. Ah, uh, Thanks, brother. I'm glad to be here. Honored to be here, Brian. So thank you. Thank you very much. Absolutely. Dude, thrilled to get to know you, get to know more about Folds of Honor. I've known about your organization for a couple of years and finally get a chance just to hear about the great work you're doing through scholarshiping, through supporting military families, first responder families now as well. So we're going to talk a lot Absolutely. about that. And then I get the feeling you and I have some things in common, man. I'm digging through your bio. 
right? We've got different career divergent paths, but we've also probably been through some shared experiences with what our fathers have done. So just tell me about Nick Nichols, man, this journey, right? You end up in the Air Force, fighter pilot in F-16, seven combat tours of Afghanistan, Iraq, group commander. So you got some similarities to my old man there, but then you and I have been in and around some similar things as well. So just let's get to know you a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, thanks, Brian. Thank you to your audience. You know, super excited to be here. So uh, for those of you out there who had military dads or military moms, you know what military life is like, mm -hmm. right? It's uh, it's super cool on one end and uh, and can maybe suck a little bit on the other sure. end, right? Because yes, every wild. three years, right? You know, things and stuff. But you know, I had the privilege of a dad who was just an absolute hero. He was my my mentor, uh, my guiding light, who, who um, you know, at an early age, um, got me on the direction and a path, um, not forcibly anyway, but knew I wanted to be a fighter pilot. So my family's background, so, you know, my mom and dad, they met um, when my dad was at the Air Force Academy, played football there, graduated in 1966. And then after that, he was off to pilot training and all the things and uh, did his first tour in Vietnam in 1967 i was like all of two months old right at right. that i'm in my life and stuff and little did i know and a lot of this i learned later in life obviously you're not processing this stuff when you're a little kid and everything else and didn't realize till much later how much of a hero my dad really was and um one of the cool stories that i remember um was he was on a um a close air support mission. And for the audience who does, if you don't know what that is, that's basically he's supporting the army guys on the ground, yeah, right? Yeah. They he's got boots on the ground and the air force is coming boots in. The, yeah. Boots on the ground and things are going bad, right? What so are they flying? It, Nick, a, what's he, what's he flying? Is it F4 over Vietnam? Yeah. Okay. So he's flying at this time. He's flying the F100, okay. right. You know, which I think, and we'll talk about his planes and stuff here in a little bit, but I think by far that was his, uh, that was his favorite fighter ever. So he, um, uh, He's providing close air support. Um, they're trying to medevac a bunch of army uh, guys out of there. They're gone bad. Um, and my dad is the lead of a two ship, you know, doing close air support. So they're dropping bombs or doing all the things to get these guys out of there. And my dad takes AAA fire. Okay. So AAA anti-aircraft artillery airplane catches on fire. Uh, my dad stays on station uh, to make sure these guys get evac'd out of there. And, um, and they do, but his plane's on fire. So they go, uh, you know, in Vietnam, the guys always try to get feet wet, right? That means they want to get out over the ocean. Okay. Get away from getting captured, becoming a POW and all that stuff. And, uh, so he does, um, again, now remember planes on fire, he's limping a single engine fighter jet out over the ocean punches out. Um, but when he punches out, it is literally, a top gun goose type scenario where he hits something as he oh, ejects and uh, dislocates his shoulder. Uh, plus his back is burned. So he ejects hits the water. When he hits the water, none of his flotation gear works, not a single one. Yeah. That's a and, problem. Uh, that's going to be a big problem. That's a big problem. I mean, in, you know, when flying combat missions too. I mean, you've got your survival vest on, obviously you got your helmet, you got all this stuff on, right. You know, so it's like trying to jump in a swimming pool. Those are, those are single seat. Those are single seaters, those fighters. Yeah. The F 100 was a single seater. Yeah. So he's got nobody with him. And, and, you know, and if you can imagine having that much gear on getting in the water and trying to swim, it, it ain't going to happen. Right. I don't care how good of a swimmer you are. And so he's drowning. 
so happens at this point in time, an army helo, okay, not a rescue helo, an army helo, the door gunner sees my dad, okay, sees him punch out and tells the pilot, hey, spin around over here. So this door gunner, who, by the way, my dad never got to meet in his entire life, jumps out of the helo, dives down, unhooks my dad, rescues him, and gets him in the helicopter. What? I, unbelievable story, That's right? unbelievable. And, you know, I what's funny here is I had heard bits and pieces of all this stuff, you know, throughout my life and um, never really put it together. And I'll get, you know, a little bit further in the story here in just a second. Mm -hmm. But I mean, what an unbelievable legacy. So dad received a purple heart out of yeah. that, you know, distinguished flying cross and super, super cool um, story to have in our family. And, you know, it's awesome opportunities like this to keep his his legacy and his uh, and his memory alive, which is neat. And, you know, the, the interesting thing here is that, you know, that was the first time my mom literally got the knock on the door, uniformed guy there, you know, literally gave her a heart attack. Here she is, you know, 23 years old at home with me, who's a baby right. at the time. And, uh, hey, we just want to let you know that your husband's okay. <laughs> She's like, I'm going to explain the expletives that she gave the, the, this poor officer that was at the door, but you know, mm -hmm. Hey, um, maybe not show up like that. Give me a phone call. Or yeah. Something. Give me a phone call first before the boys in uniform come walking up the front steps, because during that elevated time, right. With all that activity, you see them walking towards your house. The first thought is it's the worst news. Oh yeah. It's, it's going to be the worst news. Right. But yeah. it was, it was, you know, it was obviously, it was good news. And, you know, my dad being the tough, stubborn guy that he was refused to come home. So he healed up there in Vietnam and stayed and kept flying until he hit his hundred uh, combat missions and, wow. and then rotated like he was supposed to. Hey, Nick, tell yeah. me his name. I didn't ask you off the top, but let's, let's hear his so name. We have, we, have the, we have the exact same name. Same so name. Um, James Richard Nichols. Okay. Is actually both of our names. I'm junior. Okay. His fighter pilot call sign was Nick. And so I ended up with Nick as my call sign as a legacy call sign, which is really, really cool. That's pretty incredible. All right. So at 15 years old though, you lose him. And that's got to be a pretty tough, traumatic time to me. I mean, let, let's lean in here if you don't mind, because you've told us this incredible yeah. story about what he does in that act of heroism that God, for that helo to be there in that moment, the guy to get eyes on him, to just jump in the drink and go save him. I mean, that's, that's an incredible story in and of itself, but you talked about being able to share it and keep that legacy alive. And then you're not very old when you do lose him. No, no. So we um, we're living overseas in uh, in Cairo, Egypt. Um, and at this time, my dad is flying F-16s. He was one of the original guys in the F-16, nice. the same jet that I've yep. for almost 30 years, which is a really cool connection. And over there getting the Egyptian Air Force set up, up flying the F-16. And there was one evening we're at home. We're living in this little like bungalow in, in a place called Mahdi, Egypt, which is just outside of Cairo. And, um, my dad, uh, was supposed to be home like around six thirty, seven o'clock. My mom was getting all ready. They were supposed to go to the dinner at like the embassy or something like that, that night. And, um, nothing. And he was never late. He was always home on time and stuff. So my mom was getting worried. I could tell she was getting worried. And she started making some phone calls and some other things. And then all of a sudden you hear, mm. and I remember going to the door and, uh, you know, standing next to my mom and stuff like that. And then you, you hear the words, you know, hey, Sandy, we're sorry to tell you, but, um, you know, your husband has been found dead, was killed in a car wreck and stuff. And then I just 
you know, I stand there and just watch my mom collapse and screaming and stuff like that. And this is about, you know, now it's about 8 30, 9 o'clock at night, right? And um, I'm the oldest, I'm 15. Um, but then I've got my 12 year old sister and my seven year old brother upstairs who have no idea what's going on right now. Yeah. And stuff. And, you know, that night's a little bit of a blur. You know, it's a combination of me and my mom, you know, talking to my sister and brother and what's going on and all that other stuff. And, then of course a flood of people in the house you know military takes care of military everybody's there making sure we're okay and and then there's just the throes of you know packing our stuff getting out of there living in a foreign country yeah. you know my mom obviously wanted to get back to people she was familiar with and we were familiar with so we get back to uh my grandparents who lived in florida and then, you know, a couple of weeks after that, um, and, and again, this happened on December 11th, 1982. So two weeks Jeez. before Christmas, right? Yeah. So next thing I know, you know, just before Christmas, you know, I'm, you know, I'm the lead pallbearer in my dad's funeral. And at this point, I, I hadn't really processed it. I was angry, right? I was sure. super angry. Sure. God, right? like, man, here's my dad, survives two tours in Vietnam, so star all the things right 10 foot tall and bulletproof and kind of processing man how do you <laughs> correct really and um but i hadn't cried at all i hadn't cried and um so you know as the funeral goes on and stuff um you know i there, there's two flyovers that happen the missing man formation so that's mm -hmm. when number three formation goes straight up there's a missing man formation of four ship of uh, F4s followed by a four ship of F16s and um and then taps right and that's when it hit me it was like the that's when like the finality of it comes through and you're like man what 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 do we do like what, yeah he's not coming oh, back like and you're kind of in he's not coming back you're this sort is, of bewildered for those first few weeks right like this isn't real this can't yes. be real no, it's like it's the permanency of it too, yeah. right? And yeah. stuff. You're just yeah. looking at it, you know. Like I said, super angry with God, the world, and and everything um, that had gone on there. And you're just left there to pick up the pieces. And again, for a while, the military is great. Everybody's around you and stuff like that. But then there's that lull. It happens two, three, six months down the road where you sure. realize that okay, we got to figure stuff out. Sure, you know, and. Yeah. That was, you know, obviously a core memory, a pivotal point in my life, and um, that you know further sent me on a trajectory. But you know, I knew at that time it really solidified in me um, my passion and my desire to be a fighter pilot, and and more importantly, to appropriately carry on the legacy of my yeah. dad's name. So that was going to be my next question: was my my guess is from as long as you could remember until that moment your hair's on fire to be a fighter pilot, right? It sounds to me like you grew up knowing that. And my question was, did it push you more towards it or did it push you away from it? Because I could see how both could happen, but it sounds like you were like, I'm all in now, no doubt. Yeah, and you know, and you know, in our disciplines and our passions, you know, even though they're solid, they can ebb and flow through life, right? Sure. You know, I'm not as disciplined, you know, this morning as I was yesterday morning, right. With my routines and stuff like that. Um, it was always there in the back of my mind, but yeah, I mean, I was, a, I was a teenager and, you know, and kind of lost a little bit because, you know, literally my dad was my best friend 
and stuff. And so there's a lot of stuff that I always did, but I quit, you know, I quit playing all sports and stuff like that. You know, I was a really good football player, just kind of quit doing everything. And school was super easy for me in high school. Didn't really have to try and stuff. And, um, but then I, I remember I got into college and, uh, and like a lot of freshmen, you know, that first semester in college uh, was not impressive. Okay. Just to say the least, you know, you start finding stuff like beer and girls yep. and stuff like that. And it's a major distraction. And I remember I got my, you know, my grades at the end of that first semester. And I looked at that and it was embarrassing and, you know, didn't really want to talk to my mom about it and stuff like that. But I had like this um, kind of an epiphany. I'm like, man, if you had to sit down and talk to your dad right now and tell him that you were using him as an excuse for your mm, failures, he'd be pissed. Do that? <laughs> he'd be pissed. He'd be right? pissed. Yeah. And so it was at that point, I was like, man, I, I got to get my act together. Right. And it was that it was, it's like God flipped a switch in my brain at that point. And then, um, and I cultivated disciplines at that point that literally I have today and have never wavered from them and stuff. And it, it got me going on the right track, you know, got me, got me on the path. Did you get, um, what, what way did you go through? Meaning, did you get your F-16 assignment in a traditional squadron night where you find out what your aircraft is going to be? How did, how did that happen for you? The reason I ask is, you know, he's been in that plane to then get that plane. Th there's something incredible about that. And I liken it to my friend, John Quartz, who's been on this podcast, whose dad, Teak, was killed on the first night of Desert Storm flying in an F-15. And then John later, as he goes through pilot training and gets assignment, sees the F-15 put up on that PowerPoint slide up on that screen on that night. Similar experience for you uh, and just the yeah. weight of being in that aircraft. It was. It, um, you know, it was, it was funny because I, I remember, you know, I didn't go to the Air Force Academy. I was an ROTC guy in college and stuff. Not, not necessarily apologizing for that. I just never really tried with the hey, uh, Lieutenant General, I, Lieutenant General Ralph Jodas, 36 and a half years, didn't go to the Air Force Academy either, had a pretty damn good <laughs> and, <laughs> Air Force yeah. career. But there's sort of this mindset, right? Like, you know, like, hey, you're going to pilot training, competing with these academy guys and stuff like that. And I remember, you know, and I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a backstory, then then I'll answer your question there. Sure. But I remember showing up pilot training, right? And and I'm I just got married. I'm 22 years old, right? And you know, my wife of 34 years, still with me, her name's Carrie. And remember, so it's the first night there. So you're kind of meeting everybody and we're probably one of maybe seven or eight married couples that are there and stuff, but I'm meeting all these guys and talking to them and stuff. And like, well, these guys, you know, Air Force Academy grads, you know, MIT grads, Harvard grads and all this, and all, all these guys with like tons of flying experience and all this other stuff. And I remember going back that night and I'm like, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? I am like totally in the wrong place. But I remember something my dad taught me uh, a long time ago. He's like, Hey dude, take one day at a time. Okay. You don't have to solve world hunger in one day, one day at a time, right? Just one more rep, one more thing. You can, you can do this. And the one thing that I always remembered that he taught me, he goes, you're always going to find people. And this was really in the context of football that are stronger, faster, more athletic and all the other things he goes, but the one thing, two things you can control your attitude and your work ethic. Mm -hmm. Okay. Don't let anybody outwork you. And so 
it was another epiphany in my life. I'm like, don't let this stuff intimidate you. Who cares? Right. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, and let them find, the, let them find out, let them find out you I'll show you. I don't need to tell yeah. you. That's exactly right. And, and the other confidence building thing was, you know, constant reminders, like, you know, talking to myself, it's like, Hey man, you got warrior's blood running through your veins. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that, you know, that's got to mean something. So yeah. So that night, after all of that, get to the end of pilot training and everything else, and to be able to walk out the gates of Shepard Air Force Base, knowing I was going to go fly the fighter of my dream was yeah. a really, really big deal. Shout really out Wichita, deal. Wichita Falls, Texas. It's where I met my wife, man, working at KUZ TV. If you ever watch local television, when you were at Shepard, I worked at that CBS affiliate. It's where Liz and I met. My dad was NJEP commander there in the uh, mid-2000s-ish. My brother graduated okay. from Burke Burnett High School, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, bro. Yeah. So I knew. I was like, right you know on. what? I don't know much about Nick coming into this call, this this podcast, but I was like, something just feels like we're about to start just ticking off stuff. So I spent a couple oh, of years yeah, in, yeah. In, in Wichita Falls, man. I loved it there. It was great. Some common ground, right? That's yeah, where so that's where cool. those uh, that's where those horns are from, Bo. <laughs> are oh, from. All right. Wichita Falls. All man. right. That's awesome. That's good. All right. So you get the F-16, man, uh, seven combat tours, right? Just uh, a, a great career. Um, I do want to get the Folds of Honor, man. Just talk about the work you guys are doing now. But just, man, just having that career, being able to do that, right? Carry that legacy throughout. What's it mean to you? Uh, it means everything. The, um, In fact, it was. It took a little trip down memory lane yesterday um, to my bros who are still in and, you know, they're getting spun up, getting ready to, you know, um, go do the deed somewhere in some foreign land mm -hmm. that they can't talk about, obviously, and stuff. But it brings back all the memories. There is something about being an operator um, in that brotherhood and stuff that is irreplaceable. Yeah. Uh, very thankful I got to do that for 30 years, stayed in the F-16 the entire time. Um, the combat tours uh, were, you know, both amazing and tragic, um, but it was a privilege uh, to be able to do that, you know, at the end and not not in an arrogant beating your chest way and stuff like that. I mean, I was honored to be able to do it. And I'm, you know, I'm very thankful, uh, lucky in a lot of ways and stuff, you know, but the most powerful thing within that, that you know, that 30 year career was I had an amazing wife. OK, mm -hmm. and you can't do it without them, man. And um, it's funny because, you know, like combat tour number six was supposed to be the last one. And um, and then we got spun up. I did not have to go. OK, but there was no way I could not go. And so I talked to her and she's like, of course. And, you know, the funny thing is, is that was the really the first time I ever asked her about it. Mm. And I never really asked her if this life was OK. It just kind of always was, you know, never complained. We have three amazing grown functioning adults who are all college graduates and jobs and awesome significant others and that type of stuff. So yes, it was, it was a storybook uh, career. You know, it's one of the I'm grateful for so many things about, you know, uh, your life and just to be able to hear that. And then, you know, just th there, there is a lot in that. I mean, you know, I watched my dad throughout the 36 and a half years of his career uh, make incredible strides on behalf of his career and in, in our nation, right? Our family, his faith and our nation and do these amazing things. And who was there every single step of the way, right? Mom. Mom's there every step of the way, you bet. right? And there's a, and there's to your point about going to your wife on that last one, 
you know, my folks had thousands of conversations I know nothing about about those moments and what what that next thing would look like. And boy, I got to do this year remote to Korea. And you know, if the family comes with me, we can stay for two years. But we really don't want to move the boys for two years to Seoul, Korea. So I'm going to have to just roll solo for a year and do this. Or you know, those late that late assignment of mom's back at home while dad's at the Kayok, you know, during Operation Unified Protector with eyes on Libya, you know, command of the no fly zone and. But having to do that together from afar, it's an amazing, and they listen to all these shows. So I just love you guys. I'm grateful for it. It's an amazing, it is an amazing point of that. And in which the warrior needs, needs that anchor at home, man, whether it's a, a male fighter pilot or the females, right? There's just something oh, to that, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. And, you know, part of the story that I didn't tell here and, you know, and you can probably maybe guess just a little bit, but. Um, guess where I met my wife in Cairo, Egypt. We're a boyfriend, boyfriend at 15 and 14 years old. That's exactly right. Yeah. So we got re so she knew my dad. And so yeah. we got reconnected um in college. Wait and a minute. Actually- and so you knew each other then? Yes. She saw that, but you're just friends at the time, right? Yeah, but no, we were you know, whatever a boyfriend and girlfriend are at 15 if, and 14. At 15, years old. Right. But she's your girlfriend during that whole experience. She is. And then you go your separate ways for a little bit. We do. And she ends up, her dad's in uh, in the military. They end up in San Antonio, Texas. I'm in Valdosta, Georgia, going to college. And she tracks me down and says, hey, our school from Cairo is having a reunion. Um, Would you like to come? And I'm a poor college student, right? I mean, I'm working 40 hours a week, putting myself through college. I was like, there's no way I can make this happen. But I'm like, man, I really want to see her. Yeah. So I just bought a radio. <laughs> I just bought a radio, right? Like this boombox thing, like back in the day, right? And uh would you John right. Cusack and go to <laughs> Yeah, 100%, but I'm like, all right, I need the money, so I hawked it. I took it down to a pawn shop, sold it. Um was able to buy a plane ticket and stuff and uh met her in San Antonio and uh, it's back in the day where they could like meet you at the plane. Right. Oh, and get yeah. out of the plane. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Used to right. walk people to the gate. Like, yeah. see you later. Yeah. Just stand there and watch <laughs> them fly away. It was wild. It was like, okay, wow. She um is way hot. And I'm like, this Looking was good a, after those couple of years. Yeah. <laughs> this, was a, this was a good idea. And uh man, two weeks later we were engaged. What? And, yeah. And that's the rest of the story. Dude, God is amazing. Right. So look, those early days of losing your dad, you're like, why did you do this to me? How could you do this to me? And it's hard. Of course you want him back, but the orchestration of what your life then ends up being at his divine intervention, I believe that's amazing, man. God, I'm so glad we're doing, I I had no idea we were going to talk about all this stuff. This is the beauty of this podcast. A lot of times I've got like, you know, we had general Livingston on major general Livingston, uh, gold, you know, um, Medal of Honor recipient. I, I was pretty measured on every beat we we're going to talk about. We're going to go through Battle of Dido, which, by the way, if you haven't listened to that show from a couple weeks ago, it's phenomenal. He, this man is a Marine, right. standing there commanding 30 other Marines against, no joke, hundreds of VCs. And he says to the guys, fix bayonets. I mean, who are these guys? It's amazing. Anyways, that was the measure out story. You, I'm like, I got some tidbits and we're going to talk about this amazing organization. And the front half of this conversation has just been like, I'm emotional, man, just listening to you. Cause it's just such a cool, <laughs> cool thing. But it's hopefully it's a good reminder for you guys. Like there's so much good stuff out there. God's got a great hand on what we're doing in our lives and we don't get to dictate it. And we don't even, we're not even privy to the plan. 
We're not even nope. privy to the plan. You just got to trust, have faith. That's amazing. Gotta trust. Yeah. One day at a time. One day at a time. One day at a time. That's right. All right, man. So great career. Thankful for all you've done on behalf of our nation and for what you continue to do. So how do you get hooked up with this great group called Folds of Honor? Tell us the mission, right? How's this thing get started? What what's yep. the what are you guys doing? How do you get there? All right. So my can I'll talk about my connection to the folds and then what we do. How about sure. that? So great. Lieutenant Colonel Dan Rooney, our CEO and founder, you know, started this uh, back in the around the 2006 timeframe and 2007 became an official nonprofit. Um, but Dan and I flew F-16s together. So uh, we were bros in in the fighter squadron uh, here in the Oklahoma Air National Guard. He actually flew his first combat sortie on my wing, okay, as a young guy. So I was I was an instructor a few years old. You guys have legitimately flown together. I mean, it's we have not, legitimately flown yeah. together, legitimately flown in combat together wow. and stuff, which is, a, which is a super cool connection. Uh-huh. And I don't know, it was like sometime around, I just got back from a combat tour. How do you... I can't even remember what year it was. It was around 2007, 2008. And I was, I was big into CrossFit, right? And so, hey, we're, we're having this little fundraiser. And I asked Dan to come out. And I was like, hey, can you speak to the folks and stuff like that? And actually, it was later than that. It was around 2014. And um, he did. And we started talking. We walked out. He goes, hey, man. He goes, I don't know when you're looking at retirement and stuff. But when you do, you know, look me up. You know, let's talk and, you know, see uh-huh. if there's a spot for you and stuff like that. And, you know, lo and behold, we started uh getting serious talking about in 2017 and 2018, when I retired, uh, I stepped in the folds of honor. So what do we do? So we provide educational scholarships to the spouses and kids of military members and now first responders who have either been killed or disabled. So to date in our, you know, doing some math here, about 15, 16 years in existence, got about uh, 44,000 scholarships out the door. That's about, that's $220 million. Um, and we have kiddos in all 50 states, representative of all the branches. And it's just, it's super cool, um, you know, for me, because like when you get out of the military, it's super weird, right? You're like, man, I've spent the last 30 years, you know, wearing the green pajamas every day, going to work and stuff. Didn't really have to think about anything. Green pajamas pretty good. Long, this is a pretty good explanation of a flight suit. They are. They, I mean, and, you know, you're like, okay, what, what now, you know, you know, there's, you know, the, the bros are gone, but it's, they're not gone. You know, it's, it's just different, right. You're not, you're not in the fight anymore. Um, And that was tough, but you know, having a place now to serve, like, you know, give back to others is wildly important to me. Mm-hmm. And, and also, you know, my wife and I talk about this all the time, Um, never taking for granted one day that I got to come home. Yeah. I'm here. Yeah. I'm living, I'm breathing. Yeah. I mean, I've got some, you know, all the stuff that happens to fighter pilots, you know, neck, back, all the other things and everything else, but I'm walking and breathing and I'm upright and uh, shame on me if I don't wake up each and every day, making sure that these families who have lost somebody um, have somebody fighting for them. What are they using those scholarships for? I mean, how are they, how are they, how are they helping them? Great, great question. So um, we have two funds. So a third of our funds go to what's called a children's fund. Okay. And these are for really hard, core hard situations like the loss of the military member, especially with young families and stuff like that, severely disabled families where the, uh, you know, the military member or first responders no longer able to work. And we support getting kiddos into a private school context if they need it. A lot of times it's very helpful to the families uh, to be able to do that. Um, 
And a lot of times the private schools just maybe have some additional resources that other schools may not to help not only, you know, obviously with their education is important, but it's a healing process, right? And those kids need help now. They don't need help 10 years from now when they're eligible. They can't wait. Yep. They can't wait. So, so that fund is wildly important. Two thirds of our fund is called higher education. And that could be college. Okay. That could be a trade school. Hey, you want to be a plumber, an electrician, a pilot, you name it. Um, we're going to support you in that as well. And our scholarships are typically $5,000 per school year. Okay. That doesn't cover everything. And we know that, but that, you know what, that's $5,000 a parent or a kiddo doesn't have to pay or go into debt for. Um, but the neat thing is this, is that once you're in our system, we got you to graduation. It's not like you're hoping Wow. That's a hell of a commitment, man. It's a commitment and yeah. it's a fight, right? And so, you know, and every year our commitment grows. We just closed our scholarship window, 12,500 applicants. It's a 30% increase from last year. That's a $62.5 million bill to get out the door and stuff like that. It, um, you know, you could view it as a little bit scary. It's like, wow, that's a really big number. For me, it's a motivation, right? Mm-hmm. It's like yeah, one more day, right? Yep. By today, do whatever you can to take care of these families. And that's what we do. We have an amazing team here. Um, you know, it's not just me. And we got a lot of, you know, very passionate, powerful people out there raising funds on on our behalf. And it's super exciting. Dude, that's amazing. All right. Give us the data dump. Tell folks where they can go because listeners are going to be like, all right, I need to help throw some resources into the coffers for these guys to help either these kids or I love this idea of the spouse too, right? Like military oh, spouse, yeah. first responder spouse. Now you're faced with obviously this incredible challenge and hardship. Want to go back to school, right? Let let us help and you help you lighten that load. So give us a data dump, man. Tell us where they can find it, support, all that good stuff. Yeah. So if you want to support us, okay, and 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 I challenge you to take a look at us and uh and you know, vet us. You should do that with any money that you're giving to nonprofit, foldsofhonor.org. Okay. And foldsofhonor.org, click on our squadron tab. That's our affinity group. Okay. So join our squadron. It's $13 a month. Okay. You probably spent more at Starbucks this yep. morning. Okay. Yep. 13 bucks a month. And your folks are probably asking, well, why the number 13? Okay. This this flag on my chest, that iconic triangle shape of freedom right there, takes exactly 13 folds to bring it to that shape. And if if you can imagine, if we had a million people giving $13 a month. Oh, yeah. what we could do. Yep. It is, it's a powerful statement. It's a price point that is achievable uh, for most people out there. And we'd love for you to be in the fight. Hey, if you're in the military, you're a first responder and you've lost your military member, a first responder, if if they're disabled and can no longer work and stuff is going on, please check us out at foldswanner.org. Click on our scholarship tab. All the explanations are there if, if you qualify and that type of stuff. And if, if the answer isn't there for you, contact us. There's a button right there you can click and my team will get back with you within 72 hours. You know, we started talking about legacy at the beginning. I got to think that old fighter pilot would be pretty proud of this effort and the way in which his extended legacy gets carried on through it. It is, you know, and here's in, you know, kind of finished with the storytelling with this, unless you have any more questions, but here's what was really, really cool. So this, it was, I don't know, around the 2000, 16 time frame, you know, I'm, I'm preparing for retirement and stuff like that. I was about two years into my group commander tour and I was like, you know, you get a little nostalgic, right? And I was calling my mom. I was like, mom, you know, Hey, I've got dad's, um, shadow box, you know, I've got his, you know, I can see a silver star, his purple heart mm-hmm. and all that stuff. I'm like, 
do you have any of his citations? And she's like, baby, I don't, you know, and the citations are the story that yeah. accompanies. Yep. Okay. Yep. The silver star and all those other things. Yep. And I'm like, man, it's like when like, you watch right, those medal of honor store recipient moments and you, and right. There's usually an officer that reads all the things that lead up to it. It brings color to what had happened. Right. And, and, and like the, you know, the, the site, you know, the citation is really the bulk of it, right? You want the story. I mean, having the medal is neat, but right. um, so I was like, all right, so I'm just going to start figuring it out. Anyways. So I called the national archives. All right. And um, this older guy answered, literally answered, picked up the phone. I'm like, okay, this is amazing. This never happens at a government right. agency, right? right? And, uh, you know, I, I'd give my background, tell him my story. He goes, do you have your dad's social security number? I, I go, I do. And so I gave that to him and he goes, okay, it, this is going to take me a long time. He goes, but I'm, I'm going to find him. All right. And lo and behold, um, a year later, comes in the mail, day before Father's Day. Well, come on, all. come on, all of it, no, all of it, every single story. So I remember going out to the mailbox and there's this big, you know, manila envelope. I pull it out and I look at the return address. I'm like, oh my God, this, this is it. And so I, I you know, I kind of felt the packet. I'm like, man, mm. this is really, there's a lot of stuff in here. So I'm like, you know what? I'm going to wait. I'm going to open it up tomorrow on Father's Day. So remember, I got up early, um, grabbed a cup of coffee, and just started at the top and started reading all the way through. And I'd always heard the stories about my dad from Vietnam, and but they were just stories, right? But to see them on paper and go, mm. oh my god, this this is like literally other than you know meeting my wife and having my kids was the greatest thing that ever happened in my life is having that those documents in my hand and um you know it was the result of one guy who actually cared who actually did it. cared yeah yep. golly that's awesome and you'll never meet that guy right you had a phone I'll call. never meet had a phone call with no, him yeah and i had a phone call with him given that and i really was um not overly optimistic and stuff. I wouldn't know? blame you. I mean, it's nice oh. to hear that you're going to do it, but I mean, what are the chances? That's amazing. what are the chances, um, but he delivered on everything and stuff. And so, you know, so down it's neat because now that's part of the Nichols family history that I can hand down yeah. to my kids that they can hand down to their kids. And so his, his memory lives in perpetuity now. Right. Yeah. And uh, just, yeah, you know, it's good. That's awesome. Their call sign is Nick. He's Colonel Nick Nichols, Folds of Honor. Uh, amazing conversation day. I'm, I'm like, I'm just, I'm really, I'm grateful. I'm just grateful. Like, what a yeah, way I'm to spend the last, what a way to spend the last 34 minutes. <laughs> we should be so lucky. Listeners at home, right? We should be so lucky. Amazing. Nick, it's been awesome, man. Well, now, nah, thank you very much, brother. And, you know, to your audience out there and everything, thanks for listening and, uh, and stuff and, Something there that touched your heart, you know, help us out at Folds of Honor and we'd appreciate it. Absolutely. It's foldsofhonor.org. His name is Colonel Nick Nichols. I'm Brian Jodas. That's been this episode of Pick Up the Six Podcast. 